Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by PropSwap is where you need to go. That's who we want to talk about. Part of it is I've been on there all day looking for some uh, some bets, um, NFL size especially. The NFL market is kind of picked over on PropSwap, but you can go over to PropSwap.com or download the app today. You can enter our promo code 444. You make your first deposit and the fine folks over at PropSwap will match it up to $500. There's some good golf stuff out there. There's some uh, college futures uh, in the NBA or in the uh, NCAA market that start to be a little interesting as we start to see that market shape up. So again, head over to propswap.com, promo code 444, and definitely check it out. Joining me here as always, Connor Allen. Connor, what's going on, bud? Uh, not too much. I mean, it's crazy. Only three games left in the season. Um, it's, you know, bittersweet, kind of like a little bit nice to be done with the grind, but at the same time, like I was breaking down these two games and I was kind of like, ugh. You know, that's it. Like, I feel like we need we need more, you know, like I, I want more. And I know that I'm not going to have enough prop action down for this week. Just it's it's sad. You know, it's just a little bit sad. Yeah, three games left. I don't know. My wife's pretty excited about it. I'll be honest. We're, you know, <laughs> we're, we're getting to the end of the the end of the real grind here. So uh, we got to pay the bills, Connor. So uh, <laughs> and the guy who's been helping us pay the bills all season long, that professional transition is our guy here. Don grew FF on Twitter, but absolutely killing. If you're not following along with us over at 444, Dalton has been our specials guy. He has been just absolutely banging, uh, you know, 80 to ones, 30 to ones all season long. Uh, we want Dalton on the show. So we start to talk about some awesome stuff that maybe the coach market is starting to dabble in. He gets into all the stuff that uh, the alt markets where we get all these long odds and is printing. Dalton, welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks. Excited to be on. Transition game was uh, on point there. A plus, A plus for that. But no, excited, excited <laughs> to hop on with you guys. I know we've, uh, just been talking, talking a lot, but it's nice to finally, you know, come on live with you guys and, uh, you know, spit some fire. Yeah, we actually, uh, Dalton and I hung out in Chicago. We uh, we partied one night uh, in, in River North. And, you know, what started out as like a, what I thought was going to be like a tame night of pizza, you know, <laughs> like wound up like 4 a.m. My, my fiance is like trying to fight someone in the bar crying. And like, you know, I'm like, oh, shit, this got real quick, you know. So it was a good night, though. It was a lot of fun. Some nice welcome to Chicago shots. Uh, tasted like apple juice was a was a good time. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You took some shots of Malort. You ever you ever tried that? Yeah. No, <laughs> not. It's it's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah, it's awful stuff, awful stuff. No, nights in the city with Connor are long and expensive, and I um <laughs> I try I try to keep them to a minimum, uh, especially during the season. Off season, it's a little bit easier. Uh, I look forward to that. Uh, we will definitely dabble when it's not eight degrees or negative eight degrees as it was this morning. So. Uh, and then when we get Connor back here into the great state of Illinois from his excursion into the cornfields of Indiana, we could bring him home and uh, get things right with the world. So, uh, yeah, that also means because we only have three games of football left, that means we are wrapping up here uh, on Move the Line. For now, we will continue to have off-season uh, programs. We are going to get deep into the weeds on the draft. We are going to uh, definitely tackle that from a betting perspective. It was very, very, very profitable for us last season very much an information based market. And uh, I think that is an area that we thrive in and we want to help you take advantage of that as well. So uh, we are going to continue with the prop drop show we will have the prop drop show tomorrow on Thursday. So, you know, if you're listening to this in your podcast feed on Thursday morning, uh, prop drop show will be recording live on YouTube uh, on Thursday nights. And then uh, the following week for Super Bowl, we will split it up. We will have on the bye week weekend uh, that week off, we'll do the prop drop show and then the couple days before we will do our super bowl extravaganza 
uh, which has been a success over the last few years. It is uh, it is long. There is football discussed, but it is mostly a lot of other stuff. Uh, it will feature our friends Joey Kanish uh, when he gets back from his island life, uh, his beach house life right now, which I know he's doing. I uh, will also feature our friends John Daigle from NBC Sports, uh, Roto World formerly, and uh, our buddy our buddy Evan Silva from ETR. So uh, it'll be chaos. Uh, it'll be five screens, and uh, Connor and I will be fighting to get words in. Uh, we probably won't get many in, but that's okay. It will make for a uh, entertaining watch. We will have Super Bowl props, Super Bowl bets. Um, Kanish thrives in the information markets. I believe last year we had, I believe Connor was mayonnaise before Pringles. If that mm-hmm. something like that, that com- the mayonnaise commercial would come on before the Pringles commercial. Now yep. I, I don't know where you get down on something like that, but the fact that that was something that he felt very confident to share with us as Intel, which kind of speaks to what you'll be getting on that show. There was yeah. a lot of those takes. And even with some, you know, some bum leaking the national anthem time on Twitter and ruining the markets, we I still got down on the halftime show of outfit changes on how many what songs were going to come first, all because of my good buddy Joey Kanish. Yeah, so I'm sure we know with all the artists that are having in the halftime this year, you know who's coming out first, what song is coming first, all those different things. We'll be exploring all of those markets uh, leading up to the Super Bowl. So that will be. Two weeks from today, the Wednesday uh, leading up to the Super Bowl. So uh, for now, we will talk about the two remaining games that we have, which uh, last week was wild. I mean, it wasn't all great football per se, but it was obviously very exciting to have the games come down to the very end. All of them uh, basically ending at the end, the first three on kicks from the visitors and the last one, obviously, in dramatic fashion. I just rewatched it like an hour ago, uh, watched the last two minutes of the uh the Bills Chiefs game because it was just absolutely insane when I was having uh, dinner because it was just incredible football. But uh, let's jump into it. First one is the AFC game on Sunday. We have the uh, Bengals on the road rematch against the Chiefs, who they defeated back in week 17. Across the board, the Chiefs are minus seven. And let's see, I believe 54 and a half everywhere as well. So uh, 54 and a half painted across the board here, too. Uh, obviously, like I said, we're dealing off of the week 17 game where the Chiefs got off to a big lead and the Bengals fought and battled back, which was great to see got down early and continue to fight. Um, obviously, perfect kind of scenario there where they were able to have a historic day from Jamar Chase. I'm pretty sure Dalton maybe cashed some uh, some Bengals tickets that day too because that seems like something you would do. But, uh, Connor, kick us off here. What are your thoughts initially here? How do you feel about the seven? I know you've been rocking Bengals here for a while. Uh, do we feel solid on taking the seven? Are we going to continue to ride this train and roll it over? Or are the Chiefs just too much? After all that we did early in the season with all the things with the Chiefs, and they were this, they were that, and now we're back to square one. They are the favorites to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I know. We've I have been just banging the drum for the Bengals the last two weeks and have cashed in some big tickets. I've actually placed my biggest against the spread bet in the last few years on the Bengals last week. Um, and, you know, I was nervously watching that alone in a bar, uh, you know, <laughs> In Bloomington, and I mean, wow, what a game. I mean, just like the the Bengals are the real deal. But my thing here is that, so the last time these teams met, Kansas City went up 21-7 to in the second quarter. It looked at the game beginning on hand. It was actually 28-17 and a half. Uh, you know, thereafter, the Bengals, or the Chiefs only scored three points uh, and only had three drives that were kind of like long and unproductive. Like they were a couple minutes long. They only went like 20 yards. Like they got like one to two first downs. Uh, kind of like grinded up a little bit of clock, but didn't really get anywhere. 
Um, and so the, the Bengals were able to come back and obviously, you know, win. So I think that that it kind of produced like a little bit of weird game logs, produced a little bit of weird stats because the Chiefs were playing like they were ahead, you know, towards for most of the game. And then the Bengals came, you know, furiously came back. Obviously, Jamar Chase had a great game. Joe Burrow wound up with a great game. Um, but now you're kind of looking at a different scenario. Um, they're at Arrowhead. Um, Joe Burrow, you know, already talked up how, oh, you know, I'm used to the noise. Like, SEC stadiums are loud. So, you know, I, I don't really know why, but I spent a little bit more time than I should have digging into that angle. Um, so the Chiefs, the Arrowhead holds the record for the loudest stadium in all of sports at 142 decibels. Um, the loudest that they've uh, booked LSU Stadium is 120 decibels. Uh, and, but LSU, I mean, he's, he played at LSU. He's at home. Like they're not going to be loud when he has the ball, when he's at home, when he's throwing the ball, like when the offense is on the field, they're not going to be their loudest. That's like the opposite. So then I looked up, I'm like, okay, what away games did he play in and how loud were those? So I looked at his, like, probably his loudest game was at Alabama. It was an awesome game. It was an insane game. But even then that stadium is not even one of the top 10 college football's loudest stadiums. Um, so you're looking at probably 20 to 25% louder than he's ever played in, in his career. So, and plus not to mention now he's like kind of like taunted fans. I can see them like the stadium people kind of really trying to like, you know, get that going. So anyways, way too long on that. I just think that there's. <laughs> you in the weeds on that one. Yeah, I, I did. I mean, again, I said like, I had a little bit of time, time today, you know, I, I, I exited the Duncan and, you know, entered uh, the sports betting world and decided to dig deep. My <laughs> point is that I think that, I think that this is actually kind of a trap spot for Cincinnati. I like the the Chiefs to score like 30-plus points here. I think that the Bengals can keep up to some extent. But my best bet here, I like the Chiefs over like their team total of 30 points. Bengals defense is really like middle of the road in most metrics. A little bit overrated. I mean, just beat the Raiders and the Titans to get here. Like, uh, I mean, that's not convincing at all. So, um, love the Bengals before. I think that this is the spot, though, for Kansas City to – I mean, put up like 35 to 40. If the Bengals keep up, great. If not, I like the team total over. There's some injuries on the Bengals side too. On the defense, that was the side, best decibel analysis ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't get a lot of decibel analysis here. So, like, we were just talking about the random stuff we're going to get on the Super Bowl show, and Connor just, you know, jumped right into it. And he's like, I'm going to dig into decibel levels in the uh, in the SEC. So <laughs> here we are. Uh, Dalton, any thoughts here? Anything you've got down on? I know you've been banging Bengals speculative, uh, you know, long shots here for a while. Is there anything that's uh, that's still on the board? I know we attacked some stuff here in our chats this morning. That's uh, that's dead now. But is there anything that's active here that's caught your eye in this matchup? Um, not specifically. I mean, I have a Chiefs AFC ticket that I'm sweating out, and I got a Joe Burrow passing that I'm sweating out. So I think I'll be good regardless. But I, I do think there's one thing that could be interesting here as a potential play. I have never bet uh, a total or a spread in my uh, one year or six month betting career, Um, but I have live betted. And I think this is a game potentially where there could be some sneaky way to get some live odds. Like these are teams that can score very quickly. The team gets down a couple touches. We saw it last game with the Chiefs. And we know, you know, if the Bengals get up a touchdown or two, like these are teams that can score very quickly. If the over is going to hit, like this could be some potential plays for some some live bets in the middle of the game. Yeah, I like that look. I was thinking about like teasing the like. I mean, this is super fishy, but like I think teasing the Chiefs to even and like the total down, like to or like hit the over on the total and tease that down like a touchdown to get like forty seven. So like over forty seven points and Chiefs even is like 
Uh, I mean, I, I like that a lot because I like the I like both teams here to be able to score a decent amount of points. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I don't even know. Like, I feel like the total is actually pretty fair, but I would lean over for sure because I definitely think there's scenarios where the Chiefs hang some crooked numbers here. I know that the Bengals can hang though too. I think we know that. So like, I think you could do it to do it just to to cut, catch them and, and tie it to something. But I don't even know that you need to necessarily. I mean, I think that you can you can handle that number as is uh, chiefs team total over Connor, I think is a really good look. Um, I don't know. What, do you think we stay at seven? Do you think we see some late money? Because I do think that they're, I just haven't heard a lot of pro Bengals talk this week and it's held strong at seven. Um, I'm curious if either of you would have any interest if it happened to get to seven and a half and they move through the key number there at all. Are you still feeling chiefs? Would that be a stay away? Uh, Connor, do you have any, any thoughts there if that would happen? Cause I feel like we might see a seven and a half. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, I just don't have enough confidence in the Bengals. Like, I think that this could be like a, I think that the Bengals are capable of doing anything. And that's been the case all years. They're capable yeah. of beating anyone. They're also capable of losing anyone. But I think in this spot here, like at Arrowhead, uh, it's just, I mean, it's a really tough spot, I think. So, you know, like it's not, I, I think there's actually like some very much possibilities where, you know, like the Bengals offense just like does not play well, uh, for like a decent chunk of this game. And I mean, that's, it's, it's very much in the range of outcomes, especially after like, you know, two big games like for them. I mean, they're like the Cinderella team, right? So the team that had a win total of six and a half coming into the year and that, you know, now has just won a road game against the number one seed um, and now has to go travel to Kansas City to play in Arrowhead. Like that's, I mean, that's this spot, just like looking at those types of like, you know, things is really, really tough. It's tough. Yeah. Uh, I jumped into uh, some, I think my first running back, receiving yards over props since like week three i jumped in on joe mixon today at 27 and a half yards took the over there uh minus 111 on Fanduel. he's topped in in four straight games i think it's a pretty good look here uh considering i think the chiefs if they do anything defensively that's different is they probably do more from a cover two standpoint to maybe try to take away some of the deep stuff that killed them last game with obviously jamar chase blowing up for 266 and three scores and uh they're actually 26th in DVOA, Kansas City is, against running back pass catchers so far this season. And even though Burrow is losing some, you know, third down, long down and distance stuff to Samaje P. Ryan, they're still getting him enough early down work in the passing game. So if the flats are open, I think you see some work there for Mixon. Um, and 27 and a half is not a high threshold. He caught uh, seven on eight targets for 40 yards in the first matchup against the uh, the Chiefs here. And again, if we do think that this is kind of a Chiefs role or a chief's positive game script that kind of lends itself more to you know a pass heavy spot for the Bengals, which is something that we want to capitalize in from a prop standpoint we like when the Bengals are pass heavy good things happen for them offensively and mixing would probably benefit greatly from that so that is the first look i've had in this game from a prop standpoint i really wanted to jump in on mahomes rushing again because that's been something that we've successfully hit i think maybe three of the last four playoff games or so definitely both so far this year but they opened that bad boy up right around 30 which is uh you know, we got it at 19 and a half last week. So it's really, it's really hard that we're taking out really any of the edge in that. So I uh, probably still lean over. Actually, our prop tool thinks it's a pretty strong underplay, but um, yeah, stay away from me there. Anything that you guys have jumped into so far in the prop market? Um, I had, I had Joe Mixon. I've not uh, had anything. You have not had anything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so there's another one, good one that I think that is interesting though. Um, okay. So, Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow to combine for 600 plus passing yards is plus 150 uh, mm-hmm. at DraftKings right now. So I mean, 
It's a good like, place. Yeah, because I think that really like one of them. I think like if the game gets with a like one either team gets up like at all like you know by like seven or more like whatever like a touchdown or more like it kind of propels the other team to like push the pace for sure um, and like catch up. And so I think that like these teams are like teams that can push each other. And if they start going back and forth, like I think that I mean you saw how th- quickly things escalated even in that Bills Kansas City game last week. Like whatever, like two minutes and it was like three hundred passing yards there, you know, alone. Um, like I think that this has similar capability. Um, so like I think at plus one fifty, it's it's a pretty good look. Um, I haven't played that officially yet, but I've been eyeing that. Uh, I don't know what you guys think about that one at all. I think it's a good one. I think you laid it out well. Yeah, I actually was eyeing that one too. Yeah, it's just because he said the kind of high tide raises all ships situation where they would kind of play off of each other and I uh, would push the pace. So yeah, at a plus number, I I think that that's a that's a pretty good look. So I also grabbed uh, Joe Mixon under uh, sixty three rushing yards at open. Uh, I think that as you mentioned, you know they're probably not going to run the ball much. Uh, I think he's gone under this in six of his last seven games. This one over mm-hmm. was like sixty five rushing yards. The issue is now this is down to like 57 everywhere. I always said I'd play down to 60, um, and I think that's still playable. Maybe it'll get like bet back up by game time, but uh, people don't really like Joe Mixon enough to bet his over to like kind of steam it, so it doesn't really – I don't really think that's going to happen. There was some – another good one I thought here was Kelsey's under on his receptions. It's at six and a half. A lot. Um, I think that – and it's like even. It's like pretty close to even. I know. but the Bengals have allowed the fourth most receptions to opposing tight ends. Um, uh, again, this game is expected to go back and forth. Like betting unders in games that score a lot, as we saw. I mean, week one is just like the most obvious example. Like whatever the Cowboys Bucks game, where I bet took a fucking bunch of unders and got a, took a damn bath at fucking FFPC thing because I was. Just, I mean, Dalton was tailing me on some of them, and he probably thought I was a fucking donkey by the end of the night because I was just taking L's. <laughs> hey, we had our geo bet. <laughs> yeah, our, our only over that we bet, Gio Bernard over one and a half catches, cashed on like the last drive. <laughs> Rough sweat. Yeah, that game <laughs> both, was well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you guys. I, I I lean Chiefs on the number, and I just definitely think that they're probably aside from a straight up win standpoint. And again, it's just interesting to get all the consternation around them falling off and being just an average team. And really though, some of the numbers we've talked about did back it up. They were not the chiefs of years past from like an EPA standpoint, all, you know, efficiency standpoint, success rate, all that stuff did somewhat fall off a cliff compared to last season and seasons prior. But again, the way things shake out, they get right at the right time. You make some additions and some switches on the defensive side. Things start to roll. And you know, here we are again, the chiefs, on Super Bowl Sunday seem fairly, fairly likely. All right, we'll move on to uh, the NFC side. Uh, but first, I want to tell you guys about uh, a new sponsor for us. And really excited. I'm actually a little bit jealous. And maybe Connor can take advantage of it before he comes back to Illinois. But um, I want to tell you about our friends at Profit Exchange. It is a brand new sports betting exchange where users can set prices for others to bet on. Um or you could bet on something out there in the market. So basically, instead of taking and betting against a sports book, which are great, we love sports books, especially for us who love props and we love, you know, futures and we love exotics. Um, that's really cool. But for a lot of people that like traditional bets, like sides and totals, money lines, they are paying and dying to the vig. You know, you bet a minus one ten. That is an implied 
odds of 52.4%. So you start to juice it up to minus 115s, minus 120s that are out there in the marketplace. You're looking at 54% on something that theoretically, based off of a spread, should be set at a 50-50 proposition. But you are giving money to the sports books. Basically why they're dying to give you all these promo money, all this cash, because they know that they are getting a lifetime loser more times than not. <laughs> they, they want you and they want you for life. So uh, an exchange is peer-to-peer betting. Uh, instead, you can bet up here on the Chiefs. You like the Chiefs minus seven. I can take that side at plus 100 against someone else who wants to stake the other side. So all you do is you can post a bet for whatever stake you like. And as soon as someone takes it, or even part of it, then your bet is placed. The way that Profit Exchange makes money is they take a small commission off of wins, but that is significantly less than the 10%, best case scenario, 10% that you're getting in a sports book. Um, say someone stakes a $1,000 bets and you only want to get down on 100, you can get down on 100. And if I stake the 1,000, I still got 900 for someone else to hit. That's still out there. But it's just a peer-to-peer marketplace, all two-way action, uh, going to be coming live in New Jersey soon, very soon, and then Indiana soon thereafter. Um, so you can go over to ProfitExchange.com uh, and check it out. That is P-R-O-P-H-E-T Exchange.com. And again, you, you're losing that money in the 10% every time. And we know, you look over on DraftKings FanDuel, that's minus 114, minus 115. You're not getting minus 110 in a lot of spots these days. So peer-to-peer action, where you can maybe lose two percent or whatever um, commission off of a win that is an exciting way um, exchanges are very popular overseas but to have them come legally here in the states is pretty exciting they are tied to the caesars license in those states as well so they are legal uh in you know all the things you would want to worry about from an assurance standpoint it's all covered so profitexchange.com check it out um, they are not live yet but they are doing a um basically a Similar to how like DraftKings does a hammer the over. Every time someone deposits or signs up for a pre- free promo, they're basically going to bump the first time deposit when they go live. So get in there, register early, and it's going to make the deposit initial um, bigger for everyone when we get started. So check it out in the show notes. If you have any questions, hit us up. I'm pretty excited about it. Again, New Jersey is going to be first. Indiana's coming very, very, very soon. I mean, yeah, uh, like some professional bettors have actually talked about like sport exchanges too as like the future. Like Rufus Peabody has talked, you know, at length about how, uh, you know, exchanges are the future and like that because of the low hold on everything. Yep. Um, but again, that's mostly for people betting sides, but it actually makes sides more viable, right? So, like, you know, if you're, because then if you're like, whatever, a 50% winner, like 52% winner, you're like profiting real money versus like, you know, Correct. 52.6, I think, or something like that is the, current vig or current your current winning percentage needed to at least like break even on a minus 110 hold so yeah like i mean real like the best betters are hitting like whatever like you know high 50 percentages and you know really but they're really looking on just like how to grind their edge as much as possible whereas with this you get a little bit more leeway and obviously that's kind of the goal so and you'll never get limited they guarantee no limits because you're not betting against profit exchange you're betting against someone else so they have no interest in limiting you because you're not beating them. You're beating someone else. It's like playing head up on DraftKings, uh, but that VIG is significantly higher. That rake is mid. <laughs> well, that rake is at least ten percent. But again, another scenario where this is significantly less than that. So you no chance to get limited. Size total is a money line for now, but you could set your own market too. So say I really like, I'm confident in the Chiefs. I could throw the Chiefs out there at minus nine and a half 
and hang my own number on it. I could throw it up at nine and a half at plus 175. And if anyone's interested in the other side, they can come along and scoop minus 175 and we're good. We have a bet. So you don't even have to, to tail the markets that are out there. You can set the market. So it is, I think, the way of the future. And I'm excited to, to dabble on. And um, yeah, met those guys a couple weeks ago and I think they're bright and I'm excited to be partnering with them. So it's going to be good stuff. All right, NFC. Uh, rematch, third time. Niners at Rams. This is three and a half across the board. 46 and a half is the total everywhere as well. As we know, obviously, you know, the narratives around um, Kyle Shanahan having to claim Sean McVay and the Rams on his taxes because he owns them is uh, is very, very strong. And, uh, you know, I think McVay was asked today, is, uh, is Shanahan and the Niners in your head? And, of course, he said no. But I think it is interesting, some of those big brother, little brother narratives around how they've been you know, coaching together for a long time. And uh, our buddy Ben Solek wrote an incredible piece over on The Ringer today. If you did not get to read that, I definitely recommend getting some insight on basically how these offenses really started as very, very similar and how they've started to kind of grow and evolve over time and how uh, that is impacting both these teams and where they are currently. I think it's incredible, uh, incredible read. So definitely check that out. But uh, this one should be good. There's an adage, it's hard to beat a team for the third time. The numbers do not back that up. The uh, Niners just happen to be a bad matchup, I think, for the Rams. Connor, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, this is I, – I think that this is – that's kind of interesting too because I was doing some research on it and I was like, okay, well, I'm pretty sure that third matchups actually the winner of the first two actually have like a you know really high like record of the third one as well and winning again. Um, I get what the point is, but at this point, like, I don't know, like – the, the Rams just aren't really that good of a matchup for the Niners. At the same time, though, um, you know, the Rams at home last time they played were up, you know, 17 to zero early in the second quarter, um, you know, blew a massive lead there. Um, and I, I just don't understand because both teams there like ended up going kind of run heavy. Like Sony Michelle ended up with over 20 carries. Elijah Mitchell's ended up with over 20 carries in both games. Yet both teams run defenses rank in the top six in EPA. Um, the, the 49ers are second in run defense EPA. Um, the Rams are like sixth. And both their pass defenses, according to EPA, are like 10th uh, for the Rams and like 15th for the Niners, something like that. So it's not like – like it seems like there's a lot more clear path to success through the air. But I don't know. Maybe like, you know, fake sharp McVay is just like really, uh, you know, galaxy braining it and thinks that, you know, he's he's got the right uh, thoughts there jamming Sony Michelle uh, into the 49ers defensive line. But – I think most notably, though, Rams, 7-2 since their bye, only losses being at Green Bay and in overtime in San Francisco in a game that they just blew the lead, but now back at home. Um, I I think that the I think the Rams win, but, like, at three and a half, um, I'm not touching it. It's, you know, like, I, I think that the Rams still win um, just because I, I do believe in them as a team. They're, you know, transformed since the bye for the most part. Um Another bet, though, Niners team total, I think, is a little bit light, uh, 20 and a half right now. Um, I think that, I mean, they put up 27 and 31 points against the Rams so far. I'm kind of expecting like a 24-21 type of game uh, either way. So I would lean Rams in that side. But again, like I still think that there's a lot of ways that the 49ers are able to put up more than 20 and a half points in that scenario as well. Interesting. Uh, Trent Williams, this is big. Obviously, they won that week 18 matchup without him, but obviously you want the best offensive lineman in football to play. You feel better about uh, your lot in life if he is, is active. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I love everything about it on the Niners side except the quarterback scenario. Obviously, the, you know, Jimmy G has not been great, but um, I forget who said it. I want maybe it was uh, Shield Kapadia. I think it was basically everything inside of the 10 yards into in, the line of scrimmage. The Niners are, are dominant on both sides of the ball. They're terrific. Um, the further you get out, uh, they are not great. And that involves, you know, the secondary and then involves Jimmy G passing vertically down the field, though it's worked pretty well for them to do what they do against the, the Rams both times. Dalton, any early looks here for you in this matchup? Yeah, I, I think I think one interesting aspect of this game is it's gonna be it's gonna be home game for the Niners. I was I was at the game week eighteen, sixty five. Two thirds of the stadium were Niners fans, and I know there's a lot of talk about how they're restricting ticket sales outside of LA to everyone. But here's the thing: is there's a lot of Niners fans in LA, so I'm not sure that this is gonna be a full on. Um, Rams home game. Like, I actually genuinely think that the crowd could make a difference in that. How much that matters, I'm not entirely sure, but it's definitely going to be one of those things where I would say at least 50% of the fans there are going to be Niners um, from that standpoint. I do I do have one bet um, on this game, and it's a way that I'm playing the Rams to make it to the Super Bowl, and it's going to be Cam Akers uh, to have the most playoff rushing yards this entire postseason on DraftKings, plus 450 right now. The reason I really like this is the Rams are the favorites right now to make it in there. And he's only 46 yards behind Elijah Mitchell. So he's number two right now out of all rushers in this category. So if the Rams are making the Super Bowl, Elijah Mitchell's not making it. So therefore, he's going to have an extra game to make up this 46 yards, as well as this current game to do that. If we look at Cam Akers' last two games, he's combined for 41 um, rush attempts. Last week, 96% of the total running back carries went to game makers. Yeah. He's basically their workhorse right now. And right now, if we're looking at the AFC side of things and who the Rams could actually face if they make it to the Super Bowl, uh, the Bengals with Joe Mixon. Um, Connor already talked about why Joe Mixon has not been rushing a lot. They've been use, utilizing him a little bit more in the passing game. Right now, he has one yard less than Pan Akers. But again, the Bengals are, you know, you know they're massive underdogs right now. Um, so we are unlikely to see the Bengals in the Super Bowl if the Rams do play. The most likely scenario would be the Chiefs, in which Patrick Mahomes, surprisingly, is only six yards behind Cam Akers. But if we look at the running backs right now, Jarek McKinnon um, is currently rush, uh, roughly 30 yards behind Akers. Clyde Flair is back now. And it looks like Darrell Williams is also in play. So that's not a scenario where I'm too worried about one of those guys really breaking out. It's possible, but I think it's going to be more of a committee for those guys. If we're looking at Patrick Mahomes as an actual contender against Cam Akers here, um, I'm not necessarily too concerned about that because Patrick Mahomes is coming off a career rushing day last week. So um, I think this is a very um, safe play to where if the Rams do make it to the Super Bowl, I think there's an over 50% chance where I think the actual biggest competitor to Akers even if they make it to four games, I think it would still be Elijah Mitchell. I think that's what we can have to overcome with that extra game is to gain that extra yardage over there. But I think plus 450, you're getting some great odds there, especially when the Rams are minus uh, 150 right here uh, to make the Super Bowl. It's a good look. Yeah. I like that a lot, actually. I was I was like scrolling through, um, you know, Discord before the show, and I saw that, and I was like, oh, I think that that's something that I need to I need to get down on. So I'll be also tailing that because um, I think it's a good look. I mean, basically just like, do the Rams win almost? It's like sure at plus four fifty. Like that's yeah, kind of exactly. how I look at it. So, um, you know, I think yeah, it's exactly. very very viable. 
Yeah, I'm on the Niners here. Um, I think that they, I mean, at this point, like three and a half is to get cute, but I mean, I'd rather just take the plus 160 on the money line that's available at Caesars, it's available at points bets. Um, the Niners don't have to blitz to get pressure here, and Stafford has really taken advantage of the blitz. We saw in the last play in the game against the Bucks. For some reason, they hadn't, they barely blitzed all game, and then they bring the house in that last play where they get Cooper Cup down the seam for the big play at the end. And um, without blitzing, Stafford's got eight yards per attempt on the season. And the two games against the Niners, who have barely blitzed him at all, and they're like bottom five in blitz rate on the season, 6.6 yards per attempt, uh, 47 of 73, four touchdowns, four interceptions. Again, this is not a great secondary but you can disguise and hide a, a porous secondary by generating pressure. And obviously, you know, Eric Armstead, DJ Jones, Nick Bosa can do those things and allow you to continue to drop and disguise things in the back half. And I think that they do that with success. I think that they can find enough ways to move the ball. Um, I took a prop on uh, Debo Samuel. I'm going to continue to play the best plays uh, scenario here in the playoffs combination of things. I think we're dealing with the Elijah Mitchell knee injury a little bit. He did not practice on Wednesday. I think he plays. I think he's not in any danger of missing the game, but uh, 17 carries last week was the fewest number he's had in a game since week nine. There's obviously a little bit of something there. So um, I took a combined number on Debo, 95 and a half combined yards. So I think with the Mitchell injury, that raises the floor of Debo's rushing expectation. And then the stat that I pulled, which I thought was really interesting. I was digging around on this a little bit because just kind of wanted to find a reason to play Debo, and I thought that this makes actually a lot of sense. Rams play the zone at the second highest rate in a league. And against man, Brandon Ayuk actually is the man for the Niners. He leads the team with a 23% target share against man coverage. Debo second at 19%. Against zone, which they're going to see primarily here against the Rams, Debo is 25%. So he's seeing a significant jump, 6% jump. Um, Kittle and Ayuk are away behind him. His yards per route run against man, 1.87. Against zone, it is 3.45. Basically double yards per route run against zone, which he's going to see almost almost exclusively. No team played less uh, raw snaps in zone than the Rams did this year. So that makes a lot of sense when you think about Debo, his ability after the catch, sit in the zone and creates. Um, so I love Debo over 95 and a half combined. That was at points bet. I think there's some 97 and a halfs out there too. I'd probably take it up to 100. Again, because I think his rushing floor is raised with the questions around uh, Elijah Mitchell. He could probably get into the 45 range like he did last week. And then we only need, you know, a 50 points or 50 yard receiving game from from uh, Debo here, which I think we get. So, uh, yeah, give me the uh, give me the Niners plus 160. So we need profit exchange, Connor, because we can get on. Yeah, the Ryan, just. Yeah, Ryan, just to, just to add on to that a little bit, especially Debo, I think he's he's basically like game script proof. Um because you're talking about even if you're playing the Niners, there's a lot of ways in which they can get the ball in his hands in the rushing game and the receiving game. But in losses this year with Jimmy Garoppolo, he's averaging 98 receiving yards a game. So in a game script in which they're throwing a ton, Debo is absolutely smashed when they're forced to throw the ball because that's the guy they're going to target. You know, when you're in a playoff game, do or die, you want the ball in your best player hands. So I think that's a, a phenomenal play. Love it. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be good football again. I, I, I hope we get great games. I hope the, <laughs> the Bengals show up and, and – uh, make that one a good one because I think the uh, NFC one in the nightcap is going to be a lot of fun to watch. So um, let's talk about speculative Super Bowl odds here before we jump into some of the coaching stuff. There's been some early release from Caesars on what those Super Bowl odds 
would look like. And obviously the favorites here with the Rams and Chiefs, the most likely outcome um, with the Chiefs favored by one and a half uh, with a total of 52. Connor, initial impressions of Rams, Chiefs, Chiefs minus one and a half, a 52 total. I mean, the more that I look at it, I just think that the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. So um, I'm going to figure out the best way to play that, like, you know, ASAP and probably use my whatever, like all my free plays that I, I'm going to get while in Indiana just on that because, um, yeah, I just – I think that they're a tier above basically any team left. Um, I mean, the Bills were the closest match to them, I think. Yeah. Um, I think they're a tier above the Bengals. They're, you know – better than the Rams in a lot of facets and their offense at this point, like no one's defense is able to stop the chiefs at this point. That's especially anyone that's remaining. I don't really think anyone at this point had a like defense that was good enough actually this year, to be honest, to be like really go toe to toe and have like a, you know, number one defense versus number one offense thing. And even then that was last week with the bills, technically according to like the total yards and like a lot of like DVOA sure. and stuff like that. I mean, they just, you know, ran a train on them. So uh, like, I mean, this is, yeah, I, I just think at this point the offense is too good to be stopped. And, you know, like I think that I'll probably lay lay the money with the Chiefs here no matter what it is as long as it's less than three. So two, one and a half, two against the, um, the Rams, Niners, same thing. Um, if somehow the Bengals win, though, I think it's a little trickier. Yeah, it is uh, two and a half on the Chiefs side if they were to face the Niners. So, yeah, you can get the Chiefs under three uh, at Caesars right now comfortably. Uh, if the Rams Bengals match up, it is Rams minus three and a half, and then 49ers Bengals uh, would have the Niners one and a half point favorites. I feel like if the that one's interesting to me because I think if the Bengals were to win again, and the Bengals are to like go into Kansas City and score enough points to beat the Chiefs, I don't think they're one and a half point dogs against the Rams. I mean against the or or the Niners that that is. So the Rams number is three and a half. I think that's three or under, and I think that they are a pick um, against the uh, against the Niners. So I think that's interesting. I think that that's probably good value. Again, just trying to think of what you know. Sometimes recency bias dictates these markets too. So they're they're currently open at a number with you know probably some pretty low limits. But then whatever's going to shape our mindset from what happened on Sunday going into it is going to impact these numbers in a big big way. And the Bengals win impacts everyone's impression on them massively. Uh, I can't imagine that they're anyone feels confident about them uh, or not confident about them against either NFC team. If they were to happen to go into arrowhead here and win. So that's an interesting look too. If you happen to be on the Bengals, uh, you can probably, you know, a little speculative sprinkle there makes quite a bit of sense too. So I mean, is it possible? Uh, like maybe there's like a, just a way to bet the NFC or the AFC outright, you know, like just like, I think either way almost, but the issue is that I think you're better off getting the, if the Bengals do win, you're probably better off getting the value yeah. with them, you know, on the second half, but yeah. Um, do you would you consider betting like all of those outcomes this week? Because knowing obviously that you know no, half, no, of it, half of it's going to get voided or like whatever ones you like. So you said that there's value on the Bengals against the Niners and Rams, which I totally agree with. I think you're right. Like if they somehow beat the Chiefs, there's no way in hell that they're going to end up at three and a half. Correct. They're going to be like two and a half probably or three. Mm-hmm. And like you said, pick against the Niners. I also think that the Chiefs close at three against the Niners. Um. Especially if they have a dominating win, which I can see very see happening against the, the Bengals. So if they dominate the Bengals and we have another one of those three point games in the NFC side, that's that's Chiefs three and a half. That's Chiefs four. You know that climbs for sure. So yeah, yeah the, there's something to that. The only way that you really lose is like 
a shitty Chiefs win. Like you get like you see like a 1917 yeah. Chiefs win where Mahomes looks like mortal. Yeah. Um which I don't know. I don't really see that happening. No, I don't but. either. Yeah. No, that's an interesting thing because you'd you'd have the other two voided, right? Because they'd be dead. Um well obviously you'd have all you know three voided, but you'd have um you'd probably looking to get I like where you're at, you know, a little closing line value on uh on some of these early looks. We only got three games left, man. I mean, we got to make the most of it. You know, it's I like, know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. You know what? I mean, the, luckily the accounts are pretty flush right now after a strong year, thanks to some good, uh, good long shot hits. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to test our theory and, you know, spray some, spray some on these and, you know, we'll see what happens. I'll get back to you next week. Love it. Love it. Uh, all right, Dalton coaches. Um, let's see what's out there. Uh, see if you have any speculation on, you know, some of these markets aren't even currently available. They've taken some stuff down. But um, talk to me about the Bears. We'll start with the Bears. Um, what have you sprinkled? Obviously, they have interviewed a bunch of coaches. They have interviewed um, Matt Eberflus from the Colts, the defensive coordinator, a couple times. Uh, former Colts head coach and uh, Lions head coach Jim Caldwell a couple times. Cowboys, D.C., former Falcons head coach Dan Quinn twice, and then a sprinkling of other guys, uh, like six or seven other guys at least once. So um, what have you got down on the Bears, and how do you think that is shaping up currently? Um, I think the Bears early, and I was on Brian Dable to the Bears at longer odds, and I haven't played anything since. I, okay. I'm, I'm having a really tough time really filtering out um, – what is noise from what is real information there. So ever since um, the Brian Gable noise to the Giants, as well as now the Dolphins have gone there, I've kind of stayed away right now. I know there's a lot of talk about Dan Quinn going to the Bears, and I think that's actual a legitimate possibility, but I still think that he's going to be the favorite for that Broncos job. So I think between Eberflus, um, Caldwell, and Quinn, they're all legitimate candidates, but I think there's potential for some more second interviews coming in. I mean, they just tired their new GM like a day or two ago. So there could be some guys that he personally wants to get in there because they've been about it. it's like Bill Polian over here and the, the Pataskis are the ones, you know, setting up these interviews before they even get their GM. So I think the GMs want to come in. I think there'd be some other candidates that come in. I have no idea really what to think about the Bears right now, to be honest. They're, they're kind of such a wild card, to be honest. Yeah, hard to pinpoint. I don't know if you have a feel for Connor. Any the Bears are... Uh, I'm, I'm not super into the market, but I mean, the Bears are a pretty poorly run team, uh, you know, starting with the ownership. So I think that, you know, I wouldn't count them out on doing things ass backwards um, and just being way too involved in something that they know absolutely nothing about, as made clear by the last, I don't know, 20 something years of what has gone on in the Bears organization. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, who knows? I, I think that's a really good way to look at it is probably you know, maybe fire a few sprinkles on them speculatively on some longer shots, but I certainly wouldn't bet any chalk uh, until there's a little more clarity there. Yeah. And uh, as of yesterday afternoon and today, as of this morning, the bears weren't even available uh, for us here in Illinois to bet on. So uh, who knows, who knows what's going on there. How about Denver? You talked about, um, you know, Dan Quinn, he's interviewed there twice as well. They also interviewed Packers, OC Nathaniel Hackett twice there too. Do you think Dan Quinn is the man there? Did you get any action down on the Broncos market? Oh, I got way too much action down on Dan Quinn. Um, so <laughs> Ben Albright's been like, so he's been such a good source just for like inside information. And the fact that he 
like works closely with the Broncos. He's able to get really inside stuff. And he noted this from the beginning that the two likeliest candidates are going to be Dan Quinn and Hackett. So those are the two I got in on. A lot more on Quinn than I did Hackett. Um, but I think right now uh, um, what is happening is Dan Quinn's preferred option, if he were to choose a destination, would be Denver. And the reason being is he's wanted to work with Jordan Payton in the past. And he was the Seahawks, there's an article, I think, from like five, six, seven years ago talking about how he wanted to work with George Payton. So those guys are very close. And I think when just looking at the options between, you know, potentially options between the Giants, Denver, and Chicago, which all could be options for Dan Quinn and could have offers for, the reason what makes Denver very attractive is the fact that they have a lot of cap space. They have a lot of talent on the team. And really the only thing that you're really concerned about is the quarterback position. But um, there is also talk about Dan Quinn's offensive coordinator being uh, Luke Getzey with uh, the Packers. And the reason that's big is is there are reports out that Getzey actually has more sway into potentially bringing on Aaron Rodgers than someone like Nathaniel Hackett. Aaron Rodgers um, was adamant about bringing Getzey onto the Packers staff um, and then they took him for college. And um, specifically, uh, Aaron Rodgers um, and the Broncos had mutual interest heading up into last year. The only issue between getting him on the Broncos was the fact that the Packers really went to pick up the phone. So heading into this season, it's much more likely that Rodgers gets moved. And um, considering that, I think like Dan Quinn would understand that the Broncos are a very, very um, coveted destination there. And one thing that was really interesting to me in the process Guys, I've been I've been listening to, to way too much like Broncos local radio. It's unbelievable. <laughs> um, uh, but 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 um, basically, basically what happens is Nathaniel Hack had the first second interview, and Dan Quinn had the second one. But he, George Payton promised um, Dan Quinn and his agent that he would at least get the second interview because sometimes you know when there's second interviews for coaches. They'll, they'll hire someone on the spot. They'll be like, all right, we really like this guy. Let's go get him a contract. But he promised Dan Quinn that he uh, would get him a second interview. And they have Kevin O'Connell as the third finalist. So it's Hackett, Quinn, and Kevin O'Connell as the third finalist. And the thing is, um, what Albright is saying is that they're not necessarily waiting for Kevin O'Connell. He's just more a fallback option in case both Quinn and Hackett somehow just are hired by other teams. He's kind of the fallback option. So they're they're totally fine after the second interview, hiring potentially Dan Quinn without even getting that interview in for Kevin O'Connell for a second interview. So I think right now, if Dan Quinn makes it out of um, Chicago without a contract, which I think like you could at least like call George Payton and have a conversation about potentially um, getting him out to Denver and seeing how realistic it is. But I think, I think right now it's looking likely for Dan Quinn to be the Broncos head coach with Hackett as probably the second option and, and O'Connell the third. Love, love it. it. He's, yeah. so deep, he's deep in it. Yes, I mean, just way too deep, and I and I absolutely love it. Um, but I all I'm hearing right now is, you know, that Broncos Super Bowl tickets, you know, like just like we need to be betting Broncos the Super Bowl because essentially what – basically what you're saying is that there's basically two people who could be the coach. It's, you know, Quinn or Hackett, and one of them – Either one of them has pull for a Rodgers. So essentially what the Broncos are telling us is that we are going full on to try to get Aaron Rodgers. Like, I don't really think that either of those guys are the best available coaches on the market, like, or even close. But that doesn't even matter if you have Aaron Rodgers. Like, that does not matter at all. 
So basically what they're telling us is we are going, it's like ride or die, Aaron Rodgers or we're, we're fucked. So I think that that is, I mean, I think that there's some good Broncos speculative like ways to attack that out there. I know that, you know, that's, you know, might be a little bit too long shot for some people, but, you know, I think it could be interesting to take some of that action because like you said, I mean, that's like, if they don't get that, I mean, what are they, they're, they have nothing, you know, like their, their team, they have a few good pieces on their, their roster, but like they need a good quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, There's a lot of rumors obviously leading in the draft. Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, there, there's some offshores that have um, the Aaron Rodgers to go to the Broncos, like plus one seven five. If he's not on the Packers, so you kind of get that out. If he does go with Packers, not losing your bet. So there's offshores that, that do have that, and also I think the Broncos Super Bowl figures like plus thirty five hundred right now. So I think in a scenario in which Rodgers does leave, I think it's very likely that he's going to end up with the Broncos. And you know, anything that's run. out there right now in the books that uh, the listeners can jump in on that you think is good in the speculative market from a coaching standpoint? Yeah, my favorite one available right now would be Jonathan Gannon, uh, plus 650 to the Texans. Um, so apparently he's someone who has a lot more respect than I think like us as fans really get to see because the Eagles kind of had a bad defense. But he's one of those guys who has just blown away every single team that he has had an interview with. He interviewed with three teams, interviewed with the Vikings, interviewed with the Broncos and interviewed with the Texans. Um, Albright specifically said by far, uh, Jonathan Gannon had the best interview with the Broncos. Um, Vikings were blown away with him and uh, Texans were just absolutely blown away with him. And right after his interview, he was talked about, um, if not a favorite, um, a strong leading candidate um, for the Texans. I think the reason there hasn't been a lot more talk about him in recent days is just because he hasn't, had a second interview yet and you know there's kind of like this little um you know this little muddle after someone has an interview people aren't talking about it and it's not really something that's brought up a ton and i think like it's one of those things where there's a lot of signals in which this could be a legitimate possibility for jonathan gannon and the texans but it's just i haven't talked about recently so i think that's why it's probably like a bit underpriced this is probably my favorite play available right now uh benjamin albright even went to said like Hey, like I think he could be potentially the first head coach hired in the cycle. Like people within the NFL respect him a ton. Like he's a future head coaching candidate, and he's talking about how some coaches are more tailored to become head coaches than they are like coordinators. And I think that's kind of what it is. He's a young guy. He's under forty. Um, he probably uh, goes closer to like the the Brandon Staley mold of like a young defensive guy and a team like the Texans. Um, could certainly take a shot on him. Um, there's not really many connections with Gannon to Texans. There's guys like Flores and um, Gerard Mayo. They have more connections to the GM, but I think in interviews, this guy just absolutely blown him away. Give him a second chance, and I think he has a legitimate chance to become uh, the Houston head coach right there. Love it. Good stuff, yeah. buddy. All right. Well, that wraps us up for Conference Championship Week. Again, don't forget to find Dalton at Dalton Guru FF on Twitter. Again, we have flipped the script for next year. We're already selling uh, subs for our 2022 package on the betting side at 4 for 4. It's going to take you all the way through February of 2023. So basically, you know, February after the Super Bowl of next year is going to get you everything. Everything that we're doing 
from now until then. So it'll give you the entirety of next uh, football season and then everything in between where we have all the sports we have now, where we're doing golf, NBA, we have uh, other sports coming very, very soon. Uh, announcements coming on those shortly, but uh, we're going to continue to expand the betting package. It is currently discounted uh, for a little bit, but again, when you think about it, it is like 50 cents a day for the rest of the year. And you jump in with us next year. Dalton's going to give you a 30 to one at some point, probably three, four of them uh, sprinkled in an 80 to one this year. You know, that stuff is paying for your sub right away. So uh, you can make it all on the other sports too. It's just, it's great. And it also gets you everything on our site. So if you still play DFS, gets you all of our DFS stuff, season long, dynasty, best ball, lots of great, exciting stuff coming here in the next few months for four for four. And we want you uh, a part of it on the journey with us. So again, we will be back tomorrow on Thursday for the prop drop show. Again, don't forget to check out our sponsors. Prop swap is the place to go. If you jumped over on prop swap last week, they had a Niners ticket out there at seven to one to win the NFC. We'd love to have the Niners at seven to one to win this game this week That is obviously gone. But uh, check out, they have lots of cool ways to filter through the best deals in the market, newest tickets. You can sign up for uh, basically subscriber bonuses where you get uh, you know bonus money for being active on the site. So definitely check it out, propswap.com. Four for four is the promo code. And you get a $500 match when you first deposit. So, uh, and also free move the line t-shirt. You send us a, a picture of your, uh, your first prop swap ticket and we'll get you some swag too. Everyone loves free swag. So... For Dalton and Connor, I'm Ryan. We'll see you uh, tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.